Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind, and I am here with Tracy Reuter, CEO and founder of DivineSocial.com. Tracy, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Happy to be here, Josh. Really looking forward to uh, our chat and providing some value for your listeners today. Awesome. And I think you're going to provide a lot of it because based on your experience, what you're working on right now, it's so fitting, especially for me. So I'm selfishly looking forward to our (laughs) chat. But for those who don't know uh, much about you, Tracy, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're working on right now? Yeah. So um, I am the CEO and founder, like you mentioned, of Divine Social. And we are a Instagram and Facebook advertising agency. And um, I've been, the, I've had the agency now for about five years and our specialty is, well, it's kind of a long story, but my background, I have a really deep That's background what we're here for. in sales. Yeah. We can get into all of that. So I used to run a division of AT&T. I used to be the area uh, sales director uh, in the Midwest, in, in the US. And so one of the things that we specialize at Divine Social is we're, we take advertising strategy and we match that with customer journey, sales process, sales psychology, and we build out uh, very intentional campaigns to help our clients attract um, the right types of prospects and help them to fall in love with you, which is really the key. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about what we do. And, and I also had the privilege um, about a year and a half ago to write three chapters in the best-selling book on Facebook ads. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, uh, Volume 3. So I wrote, um, I wrote three chapters in that book. I could have written more, but I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have the bandwidth at the time. But right. that was really a fun thing too. So we've been really fortunate to work with um, you know, New York Times best-selling authors, um, you know, info product creators, influencers, as well as um, e-commerce, um, e-commerce stores and, and you name it. So it's been a really fun, a fun thing to do. Awesome. And very good. I mean, I want to go back and, and hear about how you got to where you are right now, but top of mind from what you just said is why is, is there a reason that you stick specifically to Facebook and Instagram? Do you, do you do Google ads? Do you do, you know, website design, any of that stuff? Yeah. So that's such a great question and actually really timely because that keeps coming up a lot in my, in my world. Um, the reason right now we just stick to Facebook and Instagram is a couple of things. When I first, when I transitioned from corporate America, um, and this was <laughs> going to age myself a little bit, Josh, but this was pre Facebook. So I've been doing digital right. marketing before Facebook, um, launched or right around the same time, I guess, but you had to be a college student to get on it. And I was not. So, um, back then I, I really, I had the opportunity to learn digital marketing from a very wide perspective. So everything from SEO, email marketing, um, website design, all, all of that. I learned all of it. And the, um, and for actually several years, um, I uh, still co-host a podcast called the Social Media Marketing Happy Hour. And we had a business, my co-host and I had a business where we taught, um, you know, to solopreneurs, we taught digital marketing, everything you could possibly imagine. And I always was really addicted to the advertising side of things because, uh, you know, having a background in sales and corporate sales, and you know, I, I love the fact that you could invest a dollar and you could see your return. And I felt like a lot of social, a lot of digital, it was really difficult to um, map, you know, A to B to C. It was really hard to see return. And so me being, I guess maybe it was the corporate experience. I, I just really felt like if I was going to build something, I had to build it on something that my clients could absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, know that we were getting them results. And so that's what led us into uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, now, why do we stay there? Why are we there right now? Um, it's just been because the reason I, I've, I made the decision, uh, when, you know, when I started the agency, <clears throat> 
the reason I made the decision when I started the agency, when it was just me for a very long time, is it was, it was virtually impossible to do it all. And I did try for a while. I tried to say, if a client said, can you do this? I would say, yes. You know, I would say whatever they wanted to, to get the business. And I realized over time that it just, it was, it was, um, what's the word I want to use? It was really watering down our effectiveness, my effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided if we were going to do, if I was going to do Facebook well, I was going to do it well. And so um, still to this day, that's the reason why that's our our main focus. And I, I see it all the time when businesses hire full service agencies, which are amazing by the way. Um, but they never can do social advertising like we can, uh, because they just don't have the depth and, and breadth of experience. So, um, so that's kind of a long answer <laughs> to your question. No, I, I think it's a great answer. And I actually talk about it a lot in my content, just in general, about how important it is to niche down. I, I personally operate what I think is probably one of the most, uh, most niche immigration firms up in Canada. And it's just, especially as a solopreneur, it's helped me really specialize in, in, uh, in that one area and, uh, you know, create uh, a good business, just doing the same thing over and over again, which also makes it easier to automate, easier to outsource, uh, easier to appear as an expert in. So I I think it's a great idea. I think, uh, I think I'm sure you've done it for many more, many more good reasons as well. Um, yeah. And the thing with, you know, especially with Instagram and Facebook, it changes so rapidly. I find that it's really challenging to mm-hmm. stay an expert on all of the things. Now, that being said, um, I have been recently really thinking through like, you know, how can we become, how can I make sure for our clients that I am protecting their traffic sources? If in fact, Facebook, you know, there's, it's been a pretty bumpy, it's been a pretty bumpy year and a half, two years, um, sure. you know, with Facebook. And so I'm very, very aware of that. So I live in this place and I'm sure as, as you know, our listener, everyone listening feels this way as a solopreneur. Um, I do have a small team now, but you know, I constantly live in this place of I've got to execute today. And I also have to think about the future. And so I have been thinking what other things, what other types of traffic could we bring in and maintain our position as a traffic agency and, and a traffic partner and not just Instagram and Facebook. So, so it's been, I've been thinking about it a lot and then there's, there's uh, some things that I'm, I'm toying with the idea of bringing in, but we still continue to stay like very specifically focused. Right. That's great. Sounds, sounds like you got your hand, finger on the pulse and uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll steer in the right direction. So Tracy, can we go back a little bit? You mentioned you work for AT&T. Can you talk a little bit about how your professional career started and, and how you kind of weaved your way into what you're doing right now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such a, it's a, an interesting and uh, powerful story, but um, you know, I, I got my degree in marketing. I was you know, the first person in my family to go to college and got a degree in marketing because I just have always been attracted to business, um, primarily because I had an uncle who was a Greek immigrant. And I watched this man from a very early age, um, you know, come to this country, come to the U.S. as a, um, you know, very poor, like, you know, only the shirt on his back kind of thing. And mm-hmm. he went on to become a, um, probably one of the most successful commercial real estate developers um, in Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Wow. And so I got to grow up watching, you know, what small business, what a, what a small business can do to a family and to a community. And um, it was something that I didn't realize that I was learning the lesson. And so, you know, looking back, I think that's really where I got my love of business. And so 
Um, but you know, even though I had him as a, I had him as my role model, I had a, um, a mother who, a uh, single mom who worked in a factory who pounded into my head, I needed to get a good job with benefits. Um, <laughs> so it didn't get much better than, you know, AT&T for crying out loud. It was like, it was like I hit the lotto. Um, and when I was in college getting my marketing degree, I got a sales internship and I, I loved it. I found out I was really good at it and it was, it just came naturally. And so I pursued a career that way. And um, you know, had some leadership gifts and very quickly moved up the ranks um, over the almost decade I was with AT&T. And then um, my story to get into entrepreneurship is a little bit, um, little bit different. I mean, I had a role model, but what happened, Josh, is uh, when I, on my 29th birthday, my uh, husband, who was 34 at the time, got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and it really rocked my world. And at the time I was working 80 plus hours a week, you know, running um, an $80 million division and just never home. And it took me probably, well, I don't remember exactly how long, probably six months to a year to realize like, this is not working. Like my life is falling apart. Mm -hmm. And I kept going back to my uncle and thinking like, what can I do? Like, how could I you know, what can I do to, to be able to be home more, to have more control over my life? And, and that's kind of, that's what started um, my quest for learning digital, trying to start my own thing. And, um, and it was a very, very hard, very lonely, um, very difficult journey that at, at one point led to bankruptcy and then recovery. And yeah. And so it's, it's been, it's been absolutely, I, I wouldn't, well, I, sh I shouldn't say I wouldn't trade it. Like I, I love where <laughs> I am today. There are certainly things I wish I could do different, but um it's been a heck of a journey. And so, you know, that was, um, you know, he got diagnosed 19 years ago, so it's been a long time. Um, but you know, for the last, uh, 14 or so years, I've been on this solopreneur journey to this point where I am today, um, you know, with this very successful small boutique agency with a tiny team. So it's been, it's been great. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, well, at least what I've noticed from interviewing over 40 successful solopreneurs, no one's found the easy path uh, to, to success. So no. I think you're in the majority, uh, you know, some obviously tougher than others, the, the journeys and the struggles, but uh, you know, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Uh, Tracy, can you talk a little bit about once you decided that you wanted to take the solopreneur path, like what did that look like? Did you quit the next day? Did you take a few months to kind of get things rolling on the side? Did you side hustle for a while? Would love to hear a little bit more about that transition. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's an interesting part, and this is one of the things I probably would do differently. Um, so I didn't really back then. I you know digital wasn't where it was today, and I didn't really have a clear vision. I just knew that I needed to make a change, and that was the hardest part. Is I, I think you know I am a, a I'm a, a very uh, visionary leader, and I and so it surprises me to actually say that. Like I didn't have a vision then, and I think part of that was is because I was having such a massive personal crisis. Like I just, um, I you know my. Um, my uncle's wife, who was my aunt, who was like a mom to me, she was you know, dying and ended up passing away of cancer. My husband is sick. I was like mm -hmm. stressed out to the max and I couldn't see where I was going. I just knew I had to make a change. So back then what ended up happening was, is I got introduced to the network marketing industry and I thought that was my way out. Um, and I think it's a great industry, but it was not the answer for me at all. Um, mm -hmm. But I started, you know, hustling on the side, trying to make that work. Um, and, you know, what I found out was that I was really good at business to business sales. I was really terrible at business to consumer. I was very bad. Right. Um, it was, and, and it was really difficult, but that was kind of the decision I made. And so um, I ended up leaving AT&T and taking on a role with another large company called Dun & Bradstreet. Um, I, I went over to them and 
Um, and what I realized, what I realized during that time is I had just lost my passion for building somebody else's stuff. I, now at the time I really hadn't, I really hadn't found my way. And so that's kind of what led to some of the financial struggles. Um, I, I really, I left too early. And the reason I, I did it and what made me okay with it is I had, um, because I had such a high level executive career, I had amassed a tremendous amount of financial resources and, um, mm -hmm. I just didn't realize how quickly I'd blow through them. <laughs> so that was tough. That was really, really difficult. Um, but it ended up, I ended up meeting um, a very successful solopreneur, digital marketer. Um, he valued my background and it was from that place that I ended up um, really learning digital from top to bottom, inside and out. And that kind of led me to where I am today. So you know, it was one of those things that I wish I could do it differently. I wouldn't go down that path. And for some people, it's the right path. It was not for me. So, um, but it led me to where I am today. Right. So, so if you, if you did have the redo button, or if you could give two or three pieces of advice to people that are working in corporate right now and looking to make the switch, what would you, what would you tell them? Well, so I think what I would say is, I'd say you balance out taking the risk with having some wisdom, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like um, I think it's really important. There, there's never going to be a safe time to make the jump. Um, but what, what I would, if I could go back and do it differently, what I would suggest is, is there needs to be, you know, number one, you need to make sure that you are generating enough revenue to live on bare bones and, and it's okay to make the jump. Um, and it, that's the hard part. When you go from corporate, when you have a good, you know, you've got benefits and you have a consistent income, like you have those things, it's really difficult to walk away from that safety, but you know, there's something in you that's burning to just do something different. Like with me, like I, I knew that there was no way I could continue. Like a piece of me was dying every day I went into work. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I would make sure though, that you have a minimum, like you have some kind of consistent income coming in, even if it's, you know, half of what you need each month to cover, you know, and, and, and layer that with some savings. Um, you know, and then the one thing, the other thing that, um, and I still to this day have to be I, I have to be really cautious because I, I do this where I, um, I, 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 because of some of our financial challenges with my husband being sick and, you know, uh, it's, a, you know, he had multiple brain surgeries after I left my career I and mean, it was very, very challenging. But one thing I've, I've done is I have hesitated to invest back in the business for growth because I've tried to hold on to that. Any kind of, any kind of a boost in revenue, I try to hold on to that for safety. And I have to remind myself that I, I always have to take a piece of that and reinvest that in for growth. So you don't want to get to a point where you, um, I don't ever want anybody to get kind of like PTSD that I developed from, from making the jump, not having the consistent income. So, so make sure that you're balancing both the risk taking with some, something that you can count on because the stress of not having, um, you know, knowing where, you know, your rent's going to come from or your groceries are going to come from that stress. It can actually kill your creativity. For sure. Yeah. For sure. A little bit of it is good, right? A little bit of it is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, like what I kind of say is, yeah, you, you want to find that right balance of motivation, but, you know, giving yourself the best chance, right? Because if, exactly. if, if you can't afford dinner tomorrow night, um, you're going to have a tough time putting in the weeks and months it takes to build up that, that value and, and get the snowball rolling. Um, but if you stay and side hustle for years and years, it might just stay a side hustle forever. So it's, it's exactly balance. Ex yeah. Um, Tracy, so so can you tell us a little bit more about how you kind of broke into the digital marketing side? Because it sounds like so you, you were doing super well in terms of sales, B2B sales more specifically, 
and you met this kind of, uh, would you call him a mentor or, or kind of someone who helped you kind of get into the industry? Yeah, I would definitely call him a mentor, mentor and friend. Um, this was somebody that, um, a great example of a, um, you know, a solopreneur hustle. He was a, um, he was an engineer. He was an oil engineer um, and did a side hustle for years. He would come home every night and learn, you know, he learned affiliate marketing, he learned digital marketing and he just hustled. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had got to know him through a network marketing company. That was one of many of his side hustles. That was one of the things I loved and admired about him is he didn't just have one, he had many. Um, And so I had gotten to know him personally. We had become friends and, um, he, he, he's an example of somebody that, um, you know, he was very conservative. Um, he called himself the frugal Asian. (laughs) So, um, he he didn't leave his full-time job until he was making $80,000 a month in his side hustles. Um, yeah. So I was like, Whoa, like I left making like $500 a month. Like, what are you doing? You know? Um, so Um, anyway, so the opportunity came up as he was really expanding his, um, he did a lot of affiliate marketing. He did a lot of, um, you know, he basically was building his own personal brand and he didn't have any actual sales experience. So I was looking to be mentored in the digital space. Um, and he was looking for somebody to help him scale. And so he brought me on his team. Um, he brought me in as a contractor to essentially run the back end of his business to help him, um, you know, to help him take his, um, the people who were hiring him, the people who were working with him to help sell them into more of his programs. And so by doing that, I got exposed to so much and, um, you know, we just became really good friends. He was a wonderful person. And it was, it was something I rem- I'll never forget. Like I remember, um, back then, if you know anything about the network marketing industry, um, he was, he had just, made a move to another company. And I remember telling my husband, I think I need this guy. I don't really like what he's doing. I don't really care about his company, but I think I need a relationship with him. And I know the best way to get his attention is to perform, like to, mm-hmm. to, you know, sign up under him and perform. And so that's kind of what I did. And it did catch his attention. we developed a great friendship and it kind of went from there. So, um, but it, you know, that allowed me to see uh, digital from a whole different side. And I was able to just kind of let go of that network marketing side of things that didn't work for me and really start seeing the incredible opportunity for me to take my, um, my marketing degree, my sales experience and all that I was learning from him and, and really just blossom a whole new career. Right. And was the plan when you went to work for him, did he have the understanding that you were thinking of, you know, like the ultimate goal was kind of starting your own thing and, and branching off on your own? Like, were you a full-time employee or you said contractor, were you working full-time hours? Yeah. So I was contracting for him, not necessarily full-time hours. It was pretty flexible, which was great because that, you know, right. that was the original reason I, I needed to leave corporate America. So um, it was, you know, it kind of ebbed and flowed. I was contracted, so I wasn't an employee um, and I was also commission based. So I did a bunch of things that I couldn't necessarily um you know, earn commissions on, but he always compensates. He was a very generous person, which, mm-hmm. you know, I learned a lot from that too. Like treat your people really well. You know, it's amazing. Uh, especially if you're working with contractors and freelancers, because they, they tend to have that desire and drive to have independence. So if you can treat them really well, you'll keep them around longer. Um, and so he did, he treated me really well uh, for a season and it worked out really well. And I, at the time I didn't have a, I didn't have an exact vision. I knew I was trying to create something. I didn't know what it looked like. I was, you know, so Sometimes I, and I think this is common, you know, you know, you feel like you're, you know, groping around blindfolded in the dark, like, where am I going? And what am I doing with all of this? Um, 
so, cause digital was like, you know, back then and even still, it's a wild, wild west sometimes. It's like, well, you know, I was learning about offers and I was learning about how people were structuring their thought leadership and all of these things. And, and it didn't really become evident to me, um, until probably, a, um, well, gosh, it was probably about two years after I stopped working with him when I, when the, where I am today, where that really, um, came into crystal clear vision and how much I, I realized I loved serving the visions of other um, business owners. Uh, I didn't realize that. And, and it came, right. it kind of, you know, was a journey that I, uncovered as I just kept learning. And I think that's the key, right? For a lot of us. And I love the name of your show. It's the solopreneurs grind. My life was a grind for more than a decade. It was a, I mean, I'd say longer than that with corporate America, but as a solopreneur, it was a grind and it was grinding it out each and every day, believing that, you know, that it was going to get better. And sometimes it did. And sometimes it, it, it was rough. It, it was really rough for a long time, but I just kept moving forward. And I think that's the key, right? Is, is, you know, you just keep moving forward. And so and that's Absolutely. what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even building to build onto that kind of personally, I've almost come to the realization the last month or two that there are different levels to the grind. So, so for the first year, it's like one type of grind, just you know, getting the snowball rolling, getting clients, getting referrals, getting to a stable level of, you know, financial success. And now I'm, I'm hitting the part where I'm trying to build out my team a little bit and it's a whole other type of grind. It is. It is. <laughs> Who to hire, you know, what, how much to compensate them, how to manage them, you know, cause I'm fine for going from one to more than one is a much bigger step than I expected because you know, as a solopreneur, you know everything about your business. If you want to get something done, it's simple because you have all of the information. And then as soon as you try to ask someone else to do it, I very quickly learned that they don't have all the information that I have. So how do I make it as obvious as possible? Well, uh, yeah. And the other thing with that is that not only do they not have the information that you have, but you know, if they're a contractor or a freelancer, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have the drive or the vision to be the business owner. And that's what, you know, that's what a lot of us are doing. You know, when you start off as a solopreneur, you're actually trying to become, you know, you're trying to become CEO. You're trying to become that business owner and successful leader. And that's very different from somebody who wants the freedom and flexibility of working for an entrepreneurial organization. And they're not the entrepreneur and they never will be. And so I've actually had to work, I've had to constantly remind myself that because sometimes I'll be like, well, why, you know, I got to be careful. I might lose my team member or whatever. And it's like, well, no, they don't think like me. They don't want the risk. <laughs> they don't mm -hmm. want to, they don't want to bear the burden. They just want the flexibility that the, that the position offers them. So, so it is, it's super, it's, you know, it, the, the grind does take on new levels and it definitely, um, it, I don't know that it ends. <laughs> like, I don't know when it ends. I, I don't think it does. Yeah. I'm, I'm more and more realizing how that I'm happy with the name that I picked. Cause, cause yeah. at first you think, Oh, especially these days you see all the content of the, the rich and successful and you think, Oh, if I just get to there, then everything will be great. But I'm pretty sure those people probably still have a lot of grinding to do as well. Different problems, maybe ones that we don't face, but you know, even bigger problems that I don't even know are possible yet. Yeah. But, uh, do you have any tips, Tracy, for how you got through the grind? Because there's so many different strategies, approaches, you know, how, were you doing things like self-care? Um, did you live a healthy lifestyle? Kind of what were you doing and, and what helped you get through those tough times? So that is, uh, <laughs> I feel like you're peering right into my soul today, Josh. Um, 
Yeah. So that's one of the things is, and you know, when you were talking earlier about, you know, the, you're glad you picked the name of the show. I think one of the downsides is, is that there is this misconception or there's this, this philosophy that's promoted in the solopreneur world about the grind and that it's, you do the grind at all costs. And um, so I, that was one of the downsides of my mentor um, that taught me digital is he was a grind at all costs kind of person at the cost mm-hmm. of sleeping. He didn't do it at the cost of his family. He actually, he, he actually didn't, so that party did really well, but everything else, right. he really, you know, he, even still to this day, I'll see him put a post up and be like, where are my night owls at? Like the, it became this really big, um, right. you know, pat on the back cause you're not sleeping. Well, what ended up happening was, is because I was grinding so hard and there was so much stress and anxiety with my husband's illness and just, you know, the, the path that I took and maybe not handling finances the way I needed to, um, the grind actually started to eat away at my health. Um, and I had just launched my agency. So my agency, we're going on almost five years since I I launched the agency and about, um, probably a little, uh, almost four, four, four and a half years ago. So just a few months into launching this, I got very, very sick. And, um, (laughs) to the point where my doctor looked at me and said, if you don't get your stress under control, you're going to die. And, um, I'd had issues before I had uh, some adrenal issues. I've, I've, you know, um, I I guess I'm a little bit, I was an adrenaline junkie. I had a very traumatic childhood. And so I just, you know, I only knew, I only knew stress and anxiety. I didn't really know any other way, but Mm -hmm. this was such a big wake up call. Um, one of my, one of my mentors, um, his name's Joe Polish. Um, Joe, uh, had, had a saying and, and I, I remember hearing it for the first time during this season. And I heard him talking one day about how as solopreneurs, as entrepreneurs, as successful business owners, we are, you know, he said, if you think about it, if you had a million dollar racehorse, how would you treat it? Would you run it into the ground? Would you not feed it? Um, would you not get it sleep? And, I heard him say that at the exact right time I needed to hear that because I was not treating myself like a million dollar racehorse. I was treating myself like a horse that needed to go to the glue factory. <laughs> you know, I was, right. it was really bad. Um, yeah. and so it was a huge wake up call. Um, and I had to shift, uh, because I had focused for so long as a caregiver, um, you know, shifting, um, all my attention was making sure my husband was cared for. I wasn't taking care of me. And so, I had to be faced with like, oh my gosh, like what if something happens to me? Like, what is he going to do? And oh, this is, you know, this is terrible. So I went into overdrive with self-care and uh, I literally could not, I could not work more than 12 hours a week. So here I am, brand new agency owner. I got, you know, all my eggs are in this basket. I've got, uh, you know, I've got a handful of clients and, you know, things are going great. And I, I literally 12 hours a week was all I could physically do. Um, and believe it or not, um, I got more productive than ever. Like I got really good at just like being able to be, you know, really efficient during that time. Um, which, you know, if you're working a full-time job and all you have for your side hustle is 12 hours, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. about the same thing. Cause my full-time job turned into self-care. Um, and it was, it was in doing that. And, and I tell people this all the time. I started seeing a, a therapist. I started getting, you know, going to a counselor to work on stress management and self-care and changed my diet. Just started going to bed at nine o'clock at night, like really, really making massive changes. And my business, my agency started growing in direct proportion to me getting well. Right. It was amazing. 
And still to this day, like I, you know, I still see my therapist on a regular basis because even though a lot of the issues that were causing, you know, that got me to where I was, there are different issues now because I'm, I'm walking into new territory, um, you know, as an agency owner and as a successful CEO, like it's, it's, you know, it's so different when I was hiring, I had a, I had 120 people that worked for me at at and Josh, very different hiring and firing on someone else's money, for sure. <laughs> you know, than your yeah. own. So anyway, so it's, it's really been very, very important. And that is definitely some advice. Like even if you are working a side hustle and you are having to maybe sleep less, um, still be very, very cognizant because you only get one body. Like we don't get a second chance. So. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to a lot of that. And, and I really like the, uh, the million dollar horse example. I, I actually think that kind of finding that right balance is probably the hardest part of being a solopreneur. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but like, for example, being a solopreneur is hard, right? The business side of it is hard. But at the end of the day, if you're struggling with sales, if you're struggling with marketing, if you're struggling with, you know, uh, customer success, stuff like that, you can go take a course, read a book, you know, you can find some, talk to the right people, find a mentor, uh, pay a consultant and, and find some answers or suggestions. But when it comes to kind of the work-life balance and self-care, there is no one right answer, right? There, there is no um, perfect way that you should balance your work and life. How many hours should you spend on work? How many hours should, how many days of the week should you take off? It's all very subjective, dependent on the person, dependent on the week, right? So that's what I've found to be probably the hardest thing to figure out. And I still don't have the perfect answer for it, but finding the right balance uh, between the two. Well, I think balance is a myth. And that's something I learned during that season when I was really not well. Like balance just does not exist. It's, a, it's something that happens um, in an instant. It's not something you maintain, right? Because in order to be right. balanced, you're constantly, there's always that ebb and flow. And so you know, I started letting go of a lot of, a lot of ideas and a lot of um, perfectionism and really um, legalism. You know, I just, I started, I started, you know, I've always been the kind of person that made a lot of rules for myself and I had to start letting go of some of those. And still to this day, you know, it's like, okay, there, you know, I try to go to bed every night around nine and there's some nights that that just isn't going to happen. You know, I might be on the road and traveling and, and, you know, just being, being able to be more flexible and more fluid and honoring myself. Um, you know, if you're in the middle of a big launch or a big, something with clients, cause we do client work. So sometimes you have to, um, grind more than normal, but then you just, you can't maintain that level all the time. And just like, you can't maintain, like for me, I can't maintain um, a constant state of, um, you know, namaste bliss. Like I can't do that either. You know, that's just, that just doesn't, that doesn't work for, for me. So I, I think it is letting go of just letting go of some rules that we have or this notion that we're going to achieve balance. We're never going to achieve balance. Um, right. We just aren't. And so if you can kind of let go of that and, and just use wisdom, like, where are you today? Do you, you know, like, like, you know, I, I blew my diet. I, I eat a very strict diet. It's been a huge part of my recovery. Um, and this weekend I went on a, I went on a food binge and I haven't done that for two years and I'm suffering today. Like I'm hurting a little bit. My, my brain's not firing like it normally would be. And so, you know, for me, it's like, first I was, you know, mad at myself about it. Then I'm like, no, actually don't be mad. Embrace it. It's a really good reminder that mm -hmm. you make these choices so you can be the best version of you. And, you know, just have some, you know, have some grace for yourself. And for sure. yeah, yeah, you have to be flexible. Yeah, that, that's really great stuff, Tracy. I, I want to spend some time 
uh, talking about digital marketing because it's so prevalent. It, it's so important these days for solopreneurs, no matter what you're doing. Uh, and obviously, if you're a digital marketer, it's important. But if you're selling products or services, uh, it's just such a huge part of uh, or should be a huge part of almost any business today. What were you doing to start learning? I mean, other than working for this type of mentor and and I'm assuming you learned a lot on the job. Were you also trying to get caught up? Like, were you reading blogs? Were you reading books? Did you take courses or anything like that? Yeah, so that is one thing that I think um, in some ways I'm a little bit of a, of a unicorn. Um, well, number one, I don't have children. So that, that you know, I, that helps. You know, I know for those of you that are, you know, if you're a solopreneur and you're, you're trying to do this grind and you have a family, that's really difficult. So I, I didn't have that. Um, so I had, I had time that... Um, maybe other people don't have because they have to devote that to their family. So, so I had this time and I, I think um, when I was 22 years old um, and I had just gone into my first, you know, sales job after college, I remember reading a book. Um, it was um, how to master the art of sales by Tom Hopkins. And that was the first personal development book I ever read. And it changed my life. Like it blew my mind. <laughs> and I became a junkie from that point. And so, you know, when I worked at at and I had an, I had an hour and 45 minute commute door to door from my, my home to my office. Wow. And so I consumed content and, you know, back, um, you know, back when it was the iPod before the iPhone, I, every time I tell these stories, I'm like, Oh my God, you sound so old. <laughs> Um, you know, I had the yeah. biggest iPod that you could pick, you know, it was the biggest one they made and it was full. It, I had probably a quarter million dollars worth of personal development and, um, programs and Jim Rohn and uh, you name it, like everybody that you could mm -hmm. possibly imagine was on there. So I already had this like addiction, if you will. And I found out when I was you know, getting well that I had this addiction, <laughs> you know, for me, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, things that could hurt me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever it, for me, it was learning, which right. seemed like a good addiction, you know, good, good so, one to have, yeah. good one to have, but still, still is it still is a, an addiction nonetheless. So, um, I took that same approach in digital. I got my hands on everything. I went on every free, free webinar I could. I learned very quickly that, you know, a lot of these people were selling something, but they would teach something on the webinar. So at the time I didn't have the, I didn't have the money to invest in courses. So I, I just got on everything I could. I, I learned, I listened, I read blogs, I watched YouTube videos. Um, I tried to invest my, my time and my money very wisely where I could learn and implement. And I did a lot of that. Like I, I, I just, I failed quickly. You know, I, I failed forward as often as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I just took that same approach that I, used in my corporate life and my sales career, I just transitioned it to digital. So I started investing in courses and over time I spent, you know, I invested more and more. So it started off, I remember the first course I think I bought, um, she had just come on the scene and it was Amy Porterfield. Nobody knew who she was. Um, mm -hmm. It was a $47 course and that was the first one I bought. And then, you know, I remember spending a few hundred dollars and then a few thousand dollars and then another several thousand and, and I just kept going. And, and when I really launched the agency, I had invested, I think it was um, 10,000 thousand dollars into a certification and I just remember wanting to throw up like oh my god am I really gonna do this and it was so smart because my agency just took off from there so um, yeah and I still to this day I continue that's a big piece of um, it's a big piece for me personally I'll be you know going um, actually I think by the time this comes out I have just been in Reno Nevada at an event um, to actually expand some of our value in the marketplace I'm going to something for, for learning and so I continually do that because I think it's, especially in the digital space, you know, you really have to 
it changes constantly. So you have to be able to, to learn. Absolutely. And how did you go about getting those first few clients? Like what, what did the first six months like, uh, yeah, I would love to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. So I, so this is where, you know, I can't say enough about podcasting, um, nice. because at the time I had, um, and we still have it. We, we just, uh, we had our show uh, that we launched in 2015 and, uh, we actually took three years off uh, and came back uh, earlier this year uh, for, I guess what you'd call season two. The reason we came back is we were getting 5,000 downloads a month on a show that had been dormant for three years. And my ex-partner wow. and I were like, maybe, maybe we should go back on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what happened was the, the way the client started um, is I just started talking about um, my certifications. I started talking about some of that on the show and I started having listeners reach out to me and asking if I would take, you know, if I would take over their ad campaigns and, and really, truly I've been up until this year, I have grown consistently through word of mouth referrals. Um, and that's been really, really great this year. Um, that changed dramatically and I've had to, um, really kick into business development and go back to my, my skills from, you know, back in my corporate days. And, um, and I wish I would have, I would have had that in place sooner because you can't, you know, you can't predictably grow a company just based on word of mouth referrals. Like you need to actually have something in place. So. Right. And what, what were you doing to promote the podcast to, to start getting those listeners? I'm, I'm assuming at the beginning, you know, the show wasn't so well known. How did you get the initial traffic and traction? Well, things were different back in 2015, for sure. So um, again, here I go aging myself, but um, you know, we were, my partner and I were both really excellent digital marketers when we, when we started the show. And so before we launched, um, I had been researching and, and learning for a long time. And so um, we knew exactly what we needed to do to get into new and noteworthy. Like, and so we had a whole launch plan in place. And so when we launched the show, um, we, um, we did make it into new and noteworthy. We did make it. I've got screenshots. It was so much fun. We had days where we had, um, you know, we ranked above Pat Flynn with, wow. you know, smart passive income. Like we had some pretty amazing things. And so we just, we used everything that we taught, um, all the, you know, all the things that we were teaching our students, we used it to the max. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that goes back to the fact that we were grinders. Like we knew how to grind it out. And so we could promote like, nobody's business. And so we, we just, we literally, we hacked it. We pushed it super hard. We had already had, um, we had some built in listeners cause we'd been doing some at the time, Google Hangouts. We'd been doing regular Google Hangouts where we were teaching social media. So it was super easy, um, Mm -hmm. to transition those people over. And then we just started getting press, you know, in 20, I think it was 2015 or 2016, on published an article with the top 10 marketing podcasts. And we were rated number one. Wow. And so things like that started happening. And um, yeah, we, d- we ended up hitting a million downloads in the first five months of the show. Um, so it was just incredible. But, you know, as we, as the two of us, as we grew our own businesses, that built in audience wasn't necessarily like the majority of the people um, were not necessarily the kinds of businesses we were going on to serve. And so that's why the show ended up sort of, um, we tapered it off. I mean, we, at one point we were doing a seven day a week show. We took the the John Lee Dumas approach, which I don't right. recommend. <laughs> right. That goes and, back and to the grind, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. A very selfish question here, Tracy, is what, what would you recommend to podcasters today if they're looking to increase the, you know, the downloads or just the growth of, of their own show? 
Well, I would say, I, I think the first thing is, and I teach this to my clients all the time, um, popularity does not equal profitability. So I think today things are slightly different. If Depending upon what you're doing and what your objective is of the show, I wouldn't worry so much about downloads. I would really mm-hmm. mostly worry about making sure that um, people who are in your ideal listener profile are, are finding out about your show. So doing grassroots marketing, um, you know, being really mind, uh, purposeful about hardcore promotion into the social channels and getting that in front of the people. So if you're like, for example, if, um, like if I were to launch a new show, right, if I were to launch a new show around um, advertising for, let's just say, um, the arts and craft industry, I would be building my LinkedIn following with people in that space. And then I would be pushing really hard to make sure that that content was getting out into the newsfeed. Um, right. One thing that we used to use a lot, and it's not as effective today, but Twitter, Twitter's another place. Um, we had tremendous success promoting our show. Um, we did, and I, I, I think this still works today. You can use this with Instagram. You can use this with Twitter. You can actually use it with LinkedIn is I would do very, very specific hashtag research. I would know what hashtags your ideal listener is using. And then I would be having, um, you know, very consistent um, social posting around, around that using that. And the thing that I, I don't know that everybody does that well is, you know, like this show right now, so Josh, take this show, slice it up into 10 different, you know, 10 different clips and mm-hmm. that's 10 posts in a week, you know, um, right. and then do that with all, you know, that, that's what we ended up doing is we had all of these shows and they were all evergreen with the exception of a handful. You know, we would do, we would do some because we were doing seven days a week. So we would do like, you know, if it was April Fool's, we would do an April Fool's one. That one we didn't, we didn't put into the rotation, but every other show that was evergreen, we just kept promoting. I didn't, I didn't stop promoting it because a new show came out. I kept it in my rotation. So I think I would continue to take that approach if your content is evergreen and valuable. Um, And don't forget that profitability, uh, popularity is not profitability. And and I can tell you that even coming back on air, um, you know, we'd been off for... We've been off for three years and we had 33,000 downloads the first month we came back. (laughs) Um, And my partner, my partner closed one client, um, but I didn't. I haven't closed anything since we've gone back. I've gotten no strong leads. Um, it's great for credibility, but you have to really weigh your options. And it's, I think podcasting is a long-term, it's a long-term game. And I think it's phenomenal, but just be really mindful. Those numbers I can tell you are phenomenal, but they're not necessarily equating into dollar signs. Right. Yeah. That, that's such an important thing to keep in mind for almost any type of, of content that you're putting out. Uh, really, really great points, Tracy. I want to just get uh, squeeze a couple quick questions in on Facebook and Instagram uh, because yeah. specialty. I, I've just been so caught up in your story and, and the path and, and the grind that you've been through, which has been so interesting. But for those who are maybe they have a side hustle going or, or they they are a solopreneur and they're looking to improve on their Facebook and, and Instagram kind of marketing game, do you have any kind of beginner tips? Maybe two or three pieces of advice for people out there. Um, I do. Yeah. So, so there's a couple things. Number one, um, so one of my main philosophies um, outside of, you know, pro- popularity does not equal profitability. Um, another one is, um, is that strategy will always trump tactics. Tactics are going to change. Okay. So mm-hmm. if you, if you um, go after it, let's say you want to start using social advertising, so whether it's Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn is still a little bit pricey. It's still not really, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it just yet, but it's getting there. So let's say you want to go after that and you put all of your energy into learning the tactics um, and you don't have a strategy, you're going to get swallowed up by tactics because tactics change. 
Right. So the key thing, in my opinion, no matter what level your business is at, is first and foremost, you want to develop a strategy. You want to know, um, great book, old book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the habits is begin with the end in mind. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Is it list building? Is it selling your product? Is it getting consultations? What is it that you're trying to do? And then work backwards and build out your strategy that way. A lot of times people don't keep that in mind when they go into social ads and then they're like, well, well, I ran this ad and it didn't work. So Facebook ads don't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not true. And, and Facebook is, is definitely not what it used to be. And I, I have a potential client right now I'm working with and, and she thinks that it's going away and, I, and she's wrong. Like she's absolutely wrong. <laughs> not going anywhere. Um, it may continue to change and it may be more and more difficult. And I think that's where my advice comes in. If you can, if you can build a strategy and you can build out your advertising around a solid strategy that works for your business, that's the other thing is there's too much copycatting going on out there and you have got to be able to discern I'm seeing X, Y, and Z working, right? This is working, you know, whether it's like someone like a Frank Kern, it's always the kiss that doubts me when somebody says, so-and-so said, you know, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. That's good from a learning standpoint, but how do you apply that to your business? So if you can, if you can really take a strategy that is unique to your business and then learn tactics to execute, then you're in great shape. So I think that's really, really key. That would be the advice I would give is, is start with that. And I actually have a, I have a free mini course. Um, I know, um, you know, it's, it's on my website. If you go to divinesocial.com forward slash SG for Solopreneur Grind, I have a free mini course um, that talks about how to set up a strategy, how to set up the philosophy and the strategy we've used for every kind of client you can possibly imagine. Awesome. I might just have to click over there and, <laughs> and we'll definitely include that in the description. Uh, Tracy, this, is, this has been really great. Just one last question to go out on is if there are people out there that are working in corporate right now and they maybe have a side hustle, maybe they have an idea of a side hustle or they have no idea what to do, but they know they want more. What would you recommend to them if you, if you could tell them one or two things? I, I'd probably say, um, get a mentor. If you can get a mentor or a coach, I think that really helps. Um, you know, that was really instrumental for me. Um, I, I wasted several years without really having, having that. And I think the sooner you can get a mentor, somebody that's been where you want to go, having that, um, having that kind of guidance, I think is, is very, it's very, very valuable. Um, the other thing would be kind of going back to our, you know, initial conversation is, um, you know, go for it. Do you know, go, go for it. Like whether it mean, you know, means that you have to um, invest in your education, you have to invest in skills, like whatever that might be, um, do it, like do it in your spare time, do, you know, do it while you can, um, you know, and of course try to maintain that illusion of balance as best as you possibly can, right. but it is worth it if that's burning inside of you, because I have learned over the years that that doesn't burn inside of everybody. Um, the, the one book I would recommend is um, The E-Myth. Uh, the E-Myth Revisited is an excellent book. I think that is something I wish I would have read a long, long time ago because not everybody has what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so, you know, get, get a coach, get a mentor, read some of those things and, and then start going for it because I, I do think it's worth it. Um, but you have to be mentally prepared because this is, I'll tell you what, there are days that I'm like, why on earth did I have to be wired this way? <laughs> why couldn't I just have a job with benefits like my mom wanted me to have? <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely that's a great note to go out on tracy thanks again so much for coming on the show and if people do want to find out more about you get more of your content uh where can they where can they find you 
Yeah. So again, if you go to divinesocial.com forward slash SG, there's, um, you know, all sorts of information there. My free mini course, I have a masterclass. Um, you know, there's ways to contact me on every social media platform. Um, it's Tracy mm-hmm. Reuter. So Tracy Reuter, you can find me on, I'm active on Instagram, on LinkedIn, um, on Facebook, all of the, all of the platforms. YouTube, awesome. I actually put out a YouTube video every single week with some training. So you can go there as well. Just pull up Tracy Reuter. Great. Tracy, we'll definitely have links to all that in the description. Thank you again for coming on and uh, sharing your story and your insights with us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Josh. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.